0: Dear listeners of the Public Health Insight Podcast, my name is Will, and before we begin this week's episode, we just wanted to share a new partnership between PHI and the Canadian Global Health Students and Young Professionals Summit. The 7th Annual Global Health Student and Young Professionals Summit will be taking place virtually this October 17th, and this event will be totally free of charge for all participants. If you're interested in learning more about this event, please check out the link in this description below. Additionally, if you are looking to have the opportunity to present a global health project in a conference setting, please fill out the abstract submission form also in the link below by September 20th. Examples of projects that would be appropriate for this poster event include global health focused projects for school, thesis topics, work, volunteer, and internship projects, and the summit is seeking posters on a broad variety of topics and encourages submissions in any discipline or field related to global health. Thank you so much and enjoy the episode. Public health is a
1: population-based field of science focused on preventing disease and promoting health.
2: Every week, we will be engaging in interactive discussions and analyses of the latest public health issues affecting you and your communities all around the world. This is the Public Health Insight Podcast. My name is Gordon, and I'm here with Ben, Lashawn, Linda, Will, and a special guest who will be introduced later.
1: Before we move on, it is important to note that the views expressed in this podcast are our own and do not represent any of the organizations we work for or are affiliated with.
2: Education is often considered the single most important modifiable social determinant of health. However, access to high-quality education remains a problem at both the secondary and post-secondary institutions for a variety of reasons. An article by Krishni Medivir titled Envisioning Higher Education as Anti-Racist Outline some of the disparities for racial and ethnic minorities in higher education, and some actions that can be implemented to address some of the historical disadvantages that contribute to the inequities. In this episode, we'll examine the role of education as a social determinant of health, highlight racism in higher education as a barrier to the success of racialized students and graduates, and dissect some of the recommendations that were proposed in the article to narrow the educational divide. To discuss this incredibly important topic, we have invited a special guest. She's a public health advocate, educator, civic leader, and author. She has spent the last 15 years providing tools and strategies to stakeholders, community-based organizations, and residents to improve health and prevent disease in some of Los Angeles County's most underserved communities. She has also spent the last 12 years infusing her lived experience and work experience into her teaching to inspire students to consider public health as a viable career option. She is currently an adjunct professor in the Urban and Environmental Policy Department at Occidental College and has taught at Cal State LA, Ashford University, and the University of Phoenix. In her first book titled, Pushing Through, Finding the Light in Every Lesson, she shares both the heartbreaking pain and extraordinary triumphs that led her to advocacy and social justice work. Her story takes place against the background of the long-neglected and overlooked community of South Central Los Angeles, where she grapples with the grotesque imbalance of power and privilege as it unfolds in every aspect of her life and those around her. Please welcome to the Public Health Insight Podcast, Amazon best-selling author, Nicole Fick.
3: Welcome, welcome. Welcome. welcome, Hey, everybody. Hi, all of you. Oh. Hi, Gordon. Hi, I Linda. Did. Hi, Will. Hi. Hi, Ben. Hi, Nicole. Hello. Hi, LaShawn. How are you? Hello.
2: Hello. Oh, you weren't kidding about the names then. <laughs>
3: Let me tell you, I have to say this. I want to tell you how important it is to acknowledge and, and speak. We are teleworking at my current position. And literally every morning, I email every single one of my staff, good morning, one by one. Mm. And, and one of them noticed, like, thank you for that. Because I'm like, I got to you know, it's important to maintain that normalcy mm-hmm. when right now, like nothing mm-hmm. is normal. So mm-hmm. I'm big on <laughs> saying good morning and thank you. Thank <laughs> you is such a huge word for me right now and good morning. So. Right, right. <laughs> well,
0: thank you. Amen. Amen to that. Well, thank you. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. thank you. We're going to
2: get into, you know, the relationship with um, education and, and population health. So I'll start by saying an American philosopher, John Dewey, uh, once said that education is not preparation for life. Education is life itself. And we know that public health is uh, concerned with preventing premature mortality. And we think it's important to discuss whether there is a definite link between educational attainment and premature death, whether it's uh, you know life expectancy or quality of life in general.
3: Awesome. Well, I am an educator. Right. So Mm -hmm. I teach and I've been teaching for quite a a number of years and I've also been educated. Right. So I've also gone through Mm -hmm. school. And the funny thing is that, yes, education and uh, public health are these two things that go hand in hand. And for me, Mm -hmm. one of the things that is most disheartening is to see, especially now with COVID-19, the divide, right? The disparities that we see in the quality of education that certain people get and certain people don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can even reflect back on my own education and the type of, of wonderful instructors that I had growing up and how that prepared me for um, the life that I have today. And it really feels bad to know that there are children today in the country that says, we will pay for and guarantee all children in education, but it's not the same across the board. Mm-hmm. And in essence, mm-hmm. it means that we're setting up a certain population, and let's be honest and real about what that what that population looks like. We're setting them up for failure.
2: That's a good point too, because you can say, okay, education is important, but there are people that are very successful, whether white or black, who maybe didn't even graduate high school, right? But the reality is when we talk about public health, we're looking at things at the population level, and which is why- I emphasize population because when you look at the the numbers, it's clear that there is some link with education and, you know, even life expectancy. So for example, in a study I was reading, it's shown that, um, you know, life expectancy, after you, you know, you get to the age of 25, um, is strongly associated with the level of education that you have. And, uh, you know, people with um, less than a high school education at the population level are often worse off. So I'm glad that you pointed that out. Absolutely. And then to, to expand on that a little bit further, there's something called the education gap or the life expectancy gap due to education. And essentially what it's found that between um, the most educated and the least educated um, people in America specifically, um, it ranges from between 14 years uh, for males and 10 years amongst females. So it does show that um, while there are other factors, you know, education determines income, genetics, and, and other social determinants of health, such as housing, are important for our quality of life and the ability that we have to live longer lives, we can see that education is, is mm-hmm. very important.
3: Absolutely. Um, one of the things that I teach my students in my introductory public health course at Occidental is that, you know, yes. Education. More education typically leads to um, better income, more control over your over your life, be able to live where you want to mm. live, um, pick a good school district for your children. You have more control over your destiny. But we often don't think about the other impacts that educational attainment has on people's lives and therefore their health. Mm. You know, so we learn health education in schools. We learn how to eat. We learn how to um, create networks and create friends, and those types of things also have a huge role. And I think we often don't talk enough about some of those other benefits to ed- that education brings. Um, and we go straight to, well, if you if you go to school, you'll graduate, get a good job. Mm-hmm. And that's the mm-hmm. end. And that really isn't mm-hmm. um, sort of the only way or reason that education is really important. That's a great point, too. And
0: even I think the ability to ask questions and to think critically, that's something that gets emphasized through school. And now with COVID and all the misinformation out
3: there, I think that having that skill of thinking critically and asking yourself, where does this information come from? That's proving to be like, not to exaggerate, but it can be life or death in a situation like COVID. Absolutely, and I am working in public health and seeing how people are reacting to the virus. Some of us are following instructions, wearing the mask, staying inside, and to see people just really push so hard against some of the most basic science um, and information is has really been, um, I can't even really put a word to it, but I'm really disappointed. But again, I think for me, because I have the background I have, I'm like, Where did we go wrong in the educational system? I'm not going to blame that individual. Where did we go wrong where this person doesn't really understand that this is not a, in some senses, it is a political thing. But at the end of the day, like, we're literally trying to keep you from dying. (laughs) Can -hmm. you please put the Mm -hmm. mask on? Um, No, we're not, you know, taking away your freedom. You can still breathe through the thing. Um, So I always say, why doesn't our population understand basic science? Where have Mm -hmm. we failed? Um, in the educational system, because it sounds like this is not just a few people. There's a lot of people that have mm-hmm. a lack of understanding of some of those key, really foundational premises and concepts. That's really kind of frightening to me.
2: Yeah, that's a good point, because um, I was doing, I think in um, one of our previous episodes, we we're kind of, I think in our climate change episode, we we're talking mm-hmm. about the reasons people believe in certain things. And um, there was one researcher that said in her research, she found that um, your political ideology became the number one determinant of your uh, belief system, and it surpassed education as a number one determinant of your beliefs. Wow! So I think, hmm. so I think that goes into the whole point with COVID nineteen being so politicized. It's it's like if you are of a certain political cloak, or if you belong to a certain political party you're more inclined to believe one thing over the other, despite your education levels.
3: Wow. Yeah.
2: So that's, that's an interesting thing that we probably have to dedicate a whole. <laughs> yes.
3: Yeah, yeah. I agree. <laughs> yeah.
2: But yeah, but on that point that you were making that um, beyond the kind of immediate things of, Oh, education's good because you get a nice degree and people think you're smart. Right. <laughs> you have the right. You could be, but you have real, real kind of health indicators like the uh, infant mortality yes. rate right, where you know, people, I didn't even notice till I, I was looking at some readings yesterday that um, infant mortality rate is closely associated to the level of the education that the mother has for the, um, that has a child. And then that child, depending on the parents or the mother's education levels, um, obviously they're not going to be able to, if they have lower paying jobs, they're not going to be able to afford and pay, give, you know, provide for the child in a way other parents are able to provide for their children.
3: Yes, that that data has been mind-blowing. And then when you lay a race over that data, mm. whole different story, mm. whole different story. Black women with college degrees have infant mortality rates as high um, or higher than a white woman with a high school diploma. So if we talk about what? education mm. being a protective factor, the more education right. you have, the healthier you are. Why isn't that true for black women? And I talk about that in the book um, that I wrote, like, mm. why th- you tell us to go to school so that we can be smarter and get the good job, but also to be healthier overall. But why isn't that education protecting Black women? And and I've heard stats that say Black women have are very degreed. We have lots of years of education right. and it's still mm. not saving us. So when you right. a- layer uh, race over it, it becomes a whole right. different story. And all of the things we know to be true, in a sense, seem to go out of the window.
2: Right. And I think even... Um, I would say, from what I've read, also black women—you know, very qualified, educated black women—get kind of get paid less compared to pretty much every counterpart for the same work. Yep. So that's that's another astonishing thing that we have to look into. Yep. We started talking about looking deeper beyond the surface of you know, education is great because you know you can brag to your friends about how smart you are. Um, but let's let's kind of talk and talk about some of those mechanisms through which education can influence those very health outcomes that we're discussing.
3: Right. So I think the, the one that I like the most because of my background in health education, that's where I started in public health 15 mm-hmm. years ago, way back in the day, um, is this idea. And you're,
2: and you're a, a certified health education specialist. Yes.
3: That, yes, 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 I am. Yes, I am. Yes. I spent I spent 10 years doing community level work. Um, and so presentations, really literally teaching people how to live better lives, you know, adopting some of the behaviors that we try to help people do eat better and all that great stuff. Um, so that one thing that, again, that's kind of in my wheelhouse is health knowledge, health literacy, um, mm-hmm. problem solving, which I think Linda talked about, like being able to critically think. Um, and so mm-hmm. the other uh, part of that is the information about diet, exercise, smoking, teaching people to wear condoms, when they have mm. um, sex or so sex ed would fall into that. And so that's sort of that mm-hmm. very basic level um, aspect of the impact of educational attainment on health. So if you can get a child from kindergarten all the way through high school, talk to them about um, their bodies, help them learn how to solve problems, teach them to read and understand health information and health knowledge, then we will likely have a healthier population at the end of the day. Now we know mm-hmm. There are some school districts. Some people are not in public schools; they're in private schools. They don't even get things like sex ed. Um, and so, I have had students in my class at Occidental College; these are college students. Say to me, "We did mm-hmm. not get sex sex education." Okay, so how? Wh- <laughs> where did where's the lesson come about? Condom? Like nobody talked to you about a condom or, or, right. or negotiating? You, it's like you mm-hmm.
2: you you have so many questions <laughs> when you hear something like that, right? I'm
3: like, what? <laughs> What happened here? Um, Yeah. yeah. So it's really um, important. I think that is really, really important for a lot of the things that we're seeing now, again, with the COVID issues. Like, why are we're sending out messages and information and documents and folks don't necessarily have the literacy skills, regular literacy skills or health literacy skills to be able to decipher what's true and what's false. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that causes a lot of issues, for example, for sure.
0: I just want to kind of take a bit of a tangent. It's related to what you were saying, Nicole, regarding um, health literacy and and health education and everything like that. But I think part of the role of, you know, the various agencies or organizations who are disseminating that information, I think they as well have a role in making sure that, for example, um, with the current COVID pandemic, Whatever information that is being sent out and provided for the community is is at a level that's you know easier to understand. Because I find a lot of times with health information is that um, organizations tend to like to you know try to be innovative and make up a bunch of new acronyms or you know throw in a lot of technical language, technical jargon that oftentimes we as public health professionals uh, might might not even be too familiar with them. So I think it's definitely, um, I see it as a twofold, both educating the population and the community, but also keeping, um, I guess, the information providers accountable for what they're providing.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're right, Will. Um, One of the things that we do where I work, um, and, and specifically in the office that I lead, I'm a program director, we uphold the department's plain language standards so Mm. when they want to put something Mm. out it's like wait 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 let's look at this Mm -hmm. this word has too many Mm. syllables (laughs) wait you Mm -hmm. know does this make sense um because again you if especially in an emergency like covid or if there's a wildfire which we get a lot of in, in southern california or an earthquake people are already stressed they're already worried anxious scared so that also even brings their reading levels down even more, right? Remember the last time you were in a car accident or a dog was coming for you? You How, how high level was your thinking at that point? It wasn't mm-hmm. very high. Mm-hmm. Right. So we also right. have to remember we have to bring it down even further um, because people, we want them to get the information and, and more, more importantly, to act on it. So wear the mask. And this is what you need to do. Real simple. We're, we're at actually getting more into infographics using pictures because we also have to mm-hmm. remember that, especially in a diverse um, county like Los Angeles, there are some people that don't speak English or Spanish. Um, Mm. there are some people that can't read at all, that can't read any language. So pictures often have to come into play, but you're absolutely right. There is a responsibility for the organizations to make sure that information is easy to understand. And sometimes it's like, even for me, I'm like, what are you, what are you trying to tell? What? (laughs) So I have to kind (laughs) of ask like, okay, what does this say? And we often have to push back just in general terms, um, um, with, need to know versus want to know what do they need to know versus what you would you want them to know and those um are two different things right a right. physician might want to put everything in there wait no 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 they really only need to know one two three that's it mm-hmm. and so we have to make sure that that happens but you're absolutely right
2: one of the interesting things that i found regarding how education influences health outcomes was a study that was done that showed that um, some sort of relationship between formal education and learning opportunities outside institutions influenced the likelihood of forming relationships and forming social networks. and. Those that have higher education tend to have larger social networks, which then goes by showing that you can increase your access to financial, psychological, and emotional resources that eventually could protect Mm, you from harmful effects of stress and, you know, have that, you know, that coping strategy and form those coping
3: strategies. Right. I talk to my students about that a lot, too. Being able to pivot. You know, you get a flat tire. And for someone that is low income or has a hard time, that can be devastating, ruin the whole day, ruin the whole week. They don't have money. Hmm. But for someone that has a larger Mm -hmm. social network, hey, you know, either they can pull their credit card out. Not a big deal. Mm -hmm. You know, figure out ways to move on. And so that
2: call a neighbor. yeah,
3: Right. (laughs) Um, Or or Mm -hmm. oops, let me just go get my other car. (laughs) It's okay. You know, you know, like, <laughs> and that's the reality, that ability to be able to cope and manage when something kind of, you know, mm-hmm. that little wrench gets thrown into your life. Um, that really does make a difference. It can be devastating for certain people that don't have that access to those resources. And for some people, it's just all oh, a minor inconvenience. Um, and we've all experienced mm-hmm. how that feels to be totally, I, I had a car accident. My car was gone for two months. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what, what's going wow. what? And I had to take the bus and, yeah. you know, start walking and doing things that I didn't normally do. I had to rearrange how I moved on weekends. I'm going to one place and run one errand. And that's it, because I only had, you know, trying to get on the bus to go everywhere was too much and Uber was too expensive. So just right, imagine right. Um, someone trying to navigate. And um, yeah, it makes a huge difference.
1: Uh, I had an experience I wanted to share, and I'm interested in your perspective on it, Nicole, because uh, Will brought up a great point regarding plain language and health literacy in regards to misinformation in the whole COVID epidemic and how education for the public, we would hope that a higher level of education would make them have more informed health decisions. But uh, recently I got into contact with one of these uh, um, hugs over masks or basically these fake exemption cards as to why Mm -hmm. individuals don't wear masks. And what I found really striking about it was on the back they provided these scientific, I, in air quotes, details of why you should not wear a mask. And I'm going to share a bit, a bit of it just really quickly because I mm-hmm. just want you to pay attention to the language wow. and how we can see, like, if an individual is not educated in the scientific method or just in healthcare in general, how this is a very convincing argument. So, for example, um, increases virus risk. It encourages triggering an infection from dormant retroviruses already in the body, taking advantage of a weakened immune system due to mask wearing. Wearing a mask shuts down the immune system. It decreases oxygen intake, increases carbon dioxide as toxin intake, puts down the body, and makes it under stress, therefore shutting down the immune system and increasing cortisol. So we see that they're using a lot of scientific language. A lot of jargon. Yeah. Exactly. So if you were not, you know, educated and you saw this, you'd be like, hmm. This seems right. believable. Right? Yeah, they sound t- they sound like they know what they're talking about,
3: right? And it can be really <laughs> yeah. scary because um, people will be like, "No, this is what this says. This has to be true." And I, and you know, the counter argument mm. is like, doctors and nurses wear masks all day right. doing surgery mm. and doing other things. They're fine, right? I don't. I've never seen right. a doctor fall out in mid- mid- middle of a surgery. <laughs> um, but, you know, and they wear they wear them all the time. Um, and so I think that's the other side of it too. Like, where how are we making sure that we're um that's the other part, I think, is is trying to counteract those types of messages, right? Because like you said, they sound so mm-hmm. official. Um, how do we say, well, this is how you look for um, or can tell that something is not true? I think that's the other thing. There's so much misinformation and it's so mm-hmm. hard to counteract it, even if. Say that was in, in our county and in our county, people put something out to say, this is why this isn't true. It's too late because the other one already been out for like a week and <laughs> sharing it with everybody. And, you know, nobody follows the the county health department Facebook pages in any county, I'm sure, like, yeah. except the people that work there, like, we, you know, but like, so the other stuff gets spread around. And I'll give you an example um, of that, too. There was a fraudulent letter that went out. Someone somehow got a um, hold of a letter from one of the county our county health agency and forged or something and modified the letter and it was all weird the logos were wrong for me I'm like this obviously is a fake Mm -hmm. letter obviously Mm -hmm. for me but I saw people on my Facebook my friends sharing it oh my goodness look at this and I'm like you guys Mm -hmm. this isn't a real letter but I mean how would you know and it's already been you know shared Mm -hmm. a trillion times so even by the time someone says hey sends out an official notice like it's too late from the damage Mm. yeah right we got people calling um residents acting like they're contact interviewers and they're not asking for personal Mm. information financial information Mm. trying to scam people and i know that's not just where i am i'm sure all over the country people are trying to take advantage um it's so it's hard and then so then you get people that don't want to give you information um, because they, they're not sure you're the person you say you are it's such a mess such a
1: mess mm-hmm. and i find that even what makes it more of a mess is that from public health obviously our goal is to educate but because people don't have the understanding of the scientific method especially when it comes to a pandemic is that you know information is always evolving yes there's a there's trust that is mm-hmm. lost every time we have to update our information mm-hmm. therefore people seek out new sources so we kind of lose that educational yeah. um foundation of trust that we have in order to help inform people yeah and i feel like that's it's just a double-edged sword there
3: absolutely i think the other part of that the other side of that as well and i've said this before uh, um is that some of our entities um public health or otherwise don't necessarily have a strong relationship with community right. and if they did mm-hmm. Sometimes that, you know, it would be easier of a, for people. Oh, yeah, mm. I know that, you know, my cousin works for public health or oh, yeah, I remember because that lady came that day to our organization mm. and she works for public health. So obviously this information has to be true. You know, there's not there, there's not that connection. And the only time we make those connections is usually when there's an emergency like COVID or there's a fire mm. or there's something. But otherwise, we're not as engaged, I think. And that's just my personal opinion. Um, and I'm sure other public health workers would agree that. You know there is a lot, and it's kind of hard to do, but we could probably do a better job. So that when stuff does happen, we can tap into those connections that we've made and say, "Can you spread help us spread the word about the accuracy and when you know what we're doing, the data, the the work that's happening, so people can understand what's going on." I think that's something that overall, system wide, public health, um, system wide, we need to work on right. for sure.
1: Absolutely, because uh, I know definitely before this pandemic. You know, people ask what's public health? <laughs> yep. And you're kind of like, um, hmm. we make sure that everything runs well in the background. Yep. Okay, cool. After the pandemic, everyone knows what public health is. Yep.
3: <laughs> 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 and don't worry, so, in about five years will what's public health? It'll go back.
1: Don't yeah, we'll right? forget <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yep.
1: Are those guys who, who told us to wear those masks? Oh. I hate them. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, so I think those those are some great, really good points because when we talk about um education we're talking about formal education within um educational institutions as well as kind of the street education uh or or learning outside of the education system and both of these are important when we talk about things like you know chronic diseases such as heart disease diabetes um which which disproportionately affect uh, people who have lower levels of educational attainment and one study um in the united states talked about how um, the prevalence of diabetes in 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 adults with a without a high school education was double that of those who have completed college wow. so e- you could see there there's real effects on we don't know exactly what the mechanisms are for those you know this is you know are the eating habits different do they live in neighborhoods where they can mm-hmm. exercise and yeah. food, food mm-hmm. deserts and there's, i'm sh- mm-hmm. i'm sure there's a lot of factors behind that, that um, it's not such an easy relationship to kind of tease out, but it just goes to show that whatever the mechanism is, education always pops up as something that's very important, whether it's formal or informal education. Absolutely.
3: Absolutely. And I I just worry and think again about all of these children, two things that are in these urban school districts across the country that are um, in schools that are underfunded, teachers are under-resourced um and they get the short end of the stick anyway and now in some places schools are closed and so now you again have created a situation where there will be mm-hmm. some children that will do fine their parents will hire a tutor or they'll create these right. learning pods and they'll be okay but they're going to be these kids mm-hmm. that will fall so far behind um and what what plans are there to make sure that these children are able to catch up right um and, and, and then right, ultimately right. Yeah, we're thinking about, well, there'll probably be a grade behind or a grade and a half behind. Um, We should worry about that as far as getting them to graduate. But I'm looking at like, what are we talking about 20 or 30 years from now for this child's life Mm -hmm. when they're an adult Mm -hmm. um, and trying to, you know, work or and and what type of health issues will they have? So it's just it's just a really disheartening situation.
2: Yeah, I've seen that pop up in the news lately with parents coming together to get like private tutors for like a, a group of kids. And it's like on the surface, it's like. Yes, the parents doing kind of everything they can to get their, you know, their children the best education they need, especially considering the disruptions caused by the pandemic. Yep. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, as a public health professional, you got you, you have to look at you always have to look at equity. So what does this mean for kids who aren't in that position to get those benefits? Right. What does it mean for what does it mean for kids who um don't have reliable access to internet, don't have a laptop, don't right. have a computer, who have to stay home another semester to get educated from home and you know mm-hmm. their parents maybe can't maybe it's those single parent households where you know the mom or the dad can't really stay home with the with the with the children right, right? to to kind of help them um so it's 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 bigger than just the individual level where as a parent you do everything you want for the child you have to look at the population level and how COVID-19 is gonna um, exacerbate some of the disparities that already exist yeah
3: right? it's very unfortunate.
2: Thank you for listening to the Public Health Insight podcast, your go-to space for informative conversations, inspiring community action. If you enjoy our content and would like to stay up to date, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. To learn more about our community initiatives and how you can support us, visit our website at thepublichealthinsight.com. Join the PHI community and let's make Public Health Viral.